Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we've got a very special guest for you today, a good friend of ours, the front man of hard rock, stoner rock legends, Backwoods Payback, as well as a member of Philadelphia Mainstay, All Else Failed, the mayor of Westchester himself, Mr. <laughs> Mike Cummings. Greetings. Greetings. (laughs) Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm I'm doing as well as as I could be doing right now. So Yeah. So what what does your life look like right now uh with this coronavirus thing going on? Like are are music projects sidelined? Is work sidelined? What what's the story? So I uh I decided that 2020 was going to be the year that I just concentrated on working in music for the for, for my life. I, I I left my my day job as oh. a hairstylist, and uh, I spent the first part of I spent the last part of uh, 2019 on the road with All Us Failed in Europe, and then in january the second week of january i left and uh i went back to europe uh with a band called amigo the devil and i do guitar tech work and driving and stuff like that Mm -hmm. super super awesome dude and uh so i was in europe when everything started like really shaking down and uh it got to the point where we didn't know if we were going to get back and so we landed back uh the second week of march and we started the U.S. leg of that tour, and by six days into it, it was scrapped. And uh, I came home, and I've been home ever since. So, um, wow, I was yeah, I was supposed to be on the road with that tour through uh, April, and then I had a solo run, uh, a solo tour booked for May that got scrapped. And then I had two more tours with Ami- working with Amigo the Devil uh, through uh, June and July. And both of those, I think, are, are done, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my life is kind of like in one giant holding pattern <laughs> right now. Right. So how, how are you getting by? Like, do you have a lot of savings? Is there odd jobs? Is there other work you can pick up? Or So I thankfully was able to uh, secure unemployment. Oh, good. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and then like I, I live very, very, very frugally, so I don't yeah. really spend any money. Um, my wife Jess, she is still able to work her job from home, so we're kind of like, you know, getting getting by. <laughs> with, yeah. With that. But but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a lot, man. It's a lot of big question marks everywhere. My life hasn't changed. A whole lot as a result of this thing. I, I mostly work from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the things I enjoy doing are take place in my home. So I, I would just go out to get a dose of people, you know, right. to, to stay right. connected and spiritually fulfilled and all that stuff and and then come back. But but, you know, I, I still have a job right now. So that's good. I, uh, Tommy and I can still do this podcast remote. Yeah. So that's oh, yeah. good. But 
it it is really i mean uh seeing bands live is one of my favorite things and the, the like there were so many good shows happening leading right up to when this thing was happening and those have all been canceled or postponed and we were our a uh, couple guests ago chris hornbrook was saying maybe things wouldn't get started till 2021 again and that that is a scary thought but uh that's, i mean i'm hearing the same exact thing like spring of 2021 wow as far as far as like venue actual venue operations like yeah that's and that's wild man i have so many friends that just you know i dedicated like my life to this to 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 music and to playing and to driving and just just being around it and i have so many friends that are touring musicians and that's how they make their lives and people that run clubs and run venues and and bartenders and it the, the entire community is is it's devastating Chatter. for a lot of people. Yeah. It, 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 and it's just so hard to hear because like when you you know that just two months ago, like it was not uncommon to be like, oh, let's go out and get a drink or let's go to a restaurant. Like the things that you take for or, like, that thing you took for granted, uh, you know, just it, it, in an instant you realize, wow, this is just falling apart. However, there I've been hearing stuff opening up and I'm like, like somebody posted something. I don't remember who it was. Uh, they were they were upset because uh, oh, it was uh, a friend of ours, uh, Jay, that runs a tattoo place in Southampton, mm-hmm. and he was saying like, "Hey, I, I'm kind of pissed." And I like his post was essentially saying like, "Hey, they're opening up the Wildwood Boardwalk for Memorial Day." And he's oh like, god! But you're you're gonna let fucking you know thousands of people crowd around fucking shitty t-shirt shops and you know pizza places but you're not going to let me open a sterile environment where literally we have multiple autoclaves i control who comes in and out when they come in and out but you're going to let a bunch of idiots go out and get drunk and fucking walk around up on the you know boardwalk like he was he i mean his point's valid but at the same time it's like you know where do you draw the line with when you let people back in okay so what opens first how do they open i heard there's like a color-coded kind of thing they're saying like there's a yellow band of things that are going to be allowed to open at first right and that's going to be things that are kind of like that medium kind of like oh with these are not totally essential however you know we're making the exception i don't i honestly just don't understand how it's working i i, I don't think it's it's possible to like to just say uh <clears throat> okay we're going to open this part this portion of society but we're counting on you to to maintain it and to and to be you know go about it smartly because yeah. as, as is evident we're not capable <laughs> of that no so. yeah oh, no now my wife just came back from the supermarket and i i texted keith and he was like yo let's get on it like 12 30 we'll do a quick test and i was like okay cool the line for the actual checkout goes all the way across the front of the store and down you know usually the last aisle is like that refrigerated slash freezer aisle she was all the way down that aisle like three quarters of a way down that aisle and she goes i they have an employee walking up and down that said basically from this point on kind of like at the amusement parks like Mm -hmm. when they say like hey from this point on your wait's going to be about 45 minutes (laughs) damn it's yeah. ridiculous. I I, wa- I walked to Walgreens the other day and I saw the line out the door and like six feet between everybody. I just turned right back around. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't like to wait like that. It's not it's not my thing. 
I've I've left the house three times uh, since March. I think sixteenth uh, I got home. Really? Uh, yeah. So, wow. so so the first time that I left, I went to the trash dump <laughs> 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 because you know you're stuck at home, so you're like, let's clean everything. So, yeah. So I like loaded the van full of stuff and I went to the dump and, uh, and that, I mean, that wasn't until the towards the end of April. Uh, and then the second time that I left, I dropped off a bunch of packages at the post office, but I did it at like one in the morning because <laughs> I thought like, <laughs> yeah. ah, I won't see anybody, you know, it'll be good. And yeah. then, uh, just the, just last week, uh, I rode my bike to Pat's house and just, oh, yes. <laughs> and just and stood, stood in the road and was like, and just waved at him, you know? That was just just to say, like, hey, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> but but even even that bit of connection, like, it just really oh, re- it, replenishes it, you. Most definitely, because yeah. I you know I know like the Zoom thing is is real big, but I don't yeah. know. I gotta I gotta see my people. I gotta see them with with my eyes. You know? Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of Zoom stuff, and it's it's you know it, it keeps me in check, but it's it's just not the same. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. No, and it's like. uh so uh, I work at a school and they try to do like these large scale meetings. I don't know, Keith, if, if, have you been on a meeting with like more than 30 people on it? Oh, yeah. Over 100. Uh, so oh. I, well, when I do it, so when I do it with like coworkers, it's really it, it's it's incredibly difficult because like it, it's literally starting out with, OK, guys, make sure you're on mute. Double check yeah. you're on mute. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Somebody is fucking not on mute. Can someone I can hear someone's <laughs> telling like it literally. Whereas I have in the morning, I so I, I teach math. I have eighty to ninety kids on a Google class, like in Google Classroom, log into uh, a Google Meet session. As soon as they get on, the kids know to mute their microphones. Like they get into that mode of like, this is how class runs, and the mm-hmm. faster we get done, and uh, like, or the faster we follow directions and listen to what he has to say, the faster we get the hell out of here. Like, but for some reason, adults are so hard headed with shit. Like, yeah, I, I, I literally, I, I had to post something the other day, like, uh, about like in my classroom and the kids responses were so like on point And like, I was like, okay, we're just done. I'm not going to even address it anymore. Thank you so much. Whereas I saw somebody post something on Facebook about, uh, you know, meeting etiquette uh, for zoom and like, you know, Google meets and all this stuff. And it, my first thing was like, I, I immediately thought, I can't stand you. If you fucking start a sentence with, I don't know if this has already been addressed. It's like fucking pay attention uh, in the meeting. You realize yeah. that like our entire day is focused around going to these things with a singular, like something that we have to get accomplished and you're not paying attention. You're doing your nails, you're fucking around. And like when it comes to it, we just look at it and go, why didn't you say like, Oh, I don't know if this was already addressed. Well, fucking listen. You would have heard that. We wouldn't have to fucking spend time indulging whatever horse shit you now have to fucking talk about. Like, just pay attention the first time. We won't have to fucking do this. But it's so, I feel like adults are so hard headed with this because they go like, well, I know better or I understand this more. Whereas like the 12 year olds I deal with on a daily basis are like, oh yeah, Mr. Doherty, I got this. <laughs> shit, like, God damn it. Like, how are they smarter than you? I I used to run into the, to the problem of and it wasn't Zoom meetings it was like you know in person meetings of <laughs> adults. <laughs> it's so funny it's really like adults. Well, we're all adults, yeah, but there's like a different kind of adult, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like actual like, adults, yeah, pretend adults. Yeah, 
Yeah. But like they they felt like because they were there, they had to be heard. And it didn't matter if they had anything to say or not. They just uh, wanted to make sure that they said something. Oh, yeah. So, so, so the meetings would last like two hours. They could have been done in 25 minutes. But every fucking person has to be like, oh, well, I want to say something about. <laughs> yeah. Half the time and- they're just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. But that since they are there, they have to be heard. Working in a corporate environment, I see that a lot. Like someone needs to say something just to be heard because they feel like they have to for some reason. And, or or you'll hear um, like I'll talk to somebody about something and we'll, I'll you know, they'll say their thing. I'll say my thing and then it should be done. Right. But yeah. then they they say the same thing again. Like they're they're going over it again. I'm like, I know we just talked about this. Like. Done. done and people always say to me like oh you're quiet and i'm just like no I'm, I'm just not spewing bullshit all the time like i talk when i need to like yep. I keep it simple so mike speaking of talking when i need to yeah <laughs> <laughs> so mike i've known you for a, for quite a while now i yeah. think o- over a decade but yeah i don't know i don't know a lot about your history so I want to get into some of that. Where, where did, where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was, I was born in Westchester. Um, really? Yeah, <clears throat> I was born you're, in Westchester. You're a Westchester native. I am. And, I didn't uh, know that. Yep. And then uh, I grew up uh, ju- like five miles outside of Westchester in a town called Downingtown. Ah. Uh. Um. Yeah, and that that that's. I bounced around for a little while. I lived. I I was going to live with my family out in Southern California. Um, so I would go back and forth between uh, Yucca Valley and Joshua Tree and Downingtown for for a bit, but um, mm-hmm. but I mean, essentially, man, born and raised Westchester and Downingtown. So that, now I thought you had lived out in Southern California, so that's why I asked. So your family's yeah. there, and you would just visit? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would go. My mom is from there. Um, okay. So she would go back, and I would go back, and then she would come back east, and I would stay out there for a little while, and. Yeah, I, 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 I always kind of felt more at home out there. I think just like temperature wise and and landscape wise. Yeah. But but I, I, you know, my whole life is is out here east. So. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, same. I was always going to come east. Yeah, same. That's why. That's why this thing is called the Northeast scene. That's right. Because <laughs> the Northeast is the best. I'm sorry. It is. I, it it's is. just. That's just my opinion. Well. What kind of kid were you growing up? Were you like a popular jock or a AV club kid or what? No, what? I, I I was just I I was, you know, I wasn't super popular. I wasn't I wasn't a, definitely wasn't a jock. Um, I wasn't uh into techie stuff. I and I grew I grew up. I'm I'm older than I'm 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 Pat's age. So I'm I'm yeah. forty I'm forty two. So like, there wasn't really anything to identify yourself with except like do you play sports no okay yeah uh, and that you was play vi- video games not really all right <laughs> so <laughs> that was such a thing <clears throat> in my grade school like sports like you had to be into sports you had oh, to know yeah. about sports you had to wear sports clothing or you were like a loser i remember being in sixth grade now in sixth grade you're 12 i remember being in sixth grade 12 years old being tortured by my classmates because i played video games and and read comic books and now that seems insane to me like isn't yeah. that what a 12 year old is supposed to do yeah totally yeah 
Yeah. I, I went through a phase where I would go and this kind of like plays into my, my always feeling more at home in California. I would go to California and I would get my shoes or I skateboarded a lot out there and mm-hmm. I would like get, you know, my gear. I would, I would get most of my clothes came from out there. Mm-hmm. And then I would come home and I would come back to Downingtown and I would start school and people would be like, your shoes are whack. Like, what is that? Why do you have, <laughs> why do you have air? What is air walk? I don't even know what that is. What, what is, what is vision? That's stupid. Oh yeah. yeah. And, but then, so that would be like September by April of that year. All those kids that were making fun of me for having these weird clothes were wearing those weird clothes because that wave had like made its way to the East Coast. And then it was always oh, yeah. it was it was conveniently forgotten that like I had I was on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, typical. It's so typical. So, so if you were if you were growing up in Westchester around that time, uh-huh. uh, are you, you, I, I was going to say, is this the the rote question of like, oh, did you guys know Bam? Yeah. Or Joe. Joe France or uh, <laughs> what is, I'm trying to think of other people like Brandon, Brandon Deco, and, Deco yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. 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 So, so, so we, yeah, we, everybody knew everybody, everybody knows everybody. It's, yeah, the, it's funny. Like it's, it's weird to see. I remember like when the jackass thing really broke on it on MTV and it would be like Westchester. And you're like, man, that's, that's Anthony's <laughs> parking lot. Like what? <laughs> what? So yeah. like that's on cable okay <laughs> cool yeah it was funny to see them around when we were playing in a band together like we'd be at the node and people would come in or they'd they'd like show up to the softball game it's like oh hey i know yeah. that guy yeah <laughs> that was it but well i mean you know when you live here and it's not they're just your butts exactly <laughs> you know there's... and it was i i, I vividly remember the episode of MTV Cribs where they like went to all those guys' houses and they were just like they were just normal basement apartments in oh, Westchester dude, Ryan, or like <laughs> Ryan Ryan so Ryan uh Ryan Dunn, he was like my my best friend, you know, and uh his when his episode aired, we all watched it and it was like I'm so happy. it was it wasn't blown up into anything it's like no you're actually crashing like in the basement of 22 like you don't even have a bedroom at 22 it's it's just (laughs) your shit's in the basement it was so good it's so good uh so let's 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 trace your musical trajectory mike okay now now myself I've always been a music fan, whether it, you know, like when I was young, it would be whatever was on the radio, hip hop, uh, R&B, software. I just liked everything. Um, And then, you know, grunge changed things for me. That's when I really got into music. And then it was like uh, a touch of new metal, hardcore, post-rock, emo, and uh, still a lot of hip hop. So mm-hmm. I've 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 settled on those. Like what what give us your trajectory and and what you've listened to mostly now. Uh so I think my mom always loves music. She's yeah. there's there's always music in my mom's house. And so when I was growing up it was it was her records. So um Neil Young's Harvest <clears throat> was always wow. on always on rotation. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to think what else. She also got into like uh like Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like Depeche Mode and stuff, which which I which I look back now and I'm like, man, 
my mom was kind of like in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that I think that's where a lot of it came from for me. Yeah. Um, and then a, a lot of country music, a lot of like Waylon Jennings, uh, Kenny Rogers, Merle Haggard, Chris Christopherson, uh, again, like from her record collection. But I, I it, the grunge thing is like where it, it really took off for me. Same that like, yeah. oh man, I like, I identify with this now. It's not just like I hear it and I like it. It's like, no, I feel that. Like, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's what I feel. Um, and then from there it was like, it's funny. I, I had, I had friends in junior high, uh, that had older brothers and sisters and they were super into like the misfits, um, Sam Hain, uh, Slayer, like super, like heavier stuff. So we would go to, to friends' houses and listen to their older siblings tapes. And that kind of got me into like the more of like the punk rock veering into hardcore. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then from there, just as everybody, it's like you get your first Black Flag tape, and it's like, yep, yep. <laughs> this this is it, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Kick down the doors, let's go. So what what do you listen to mostly now? I'm curious. Like for me, I'm all over the place. I listen to Juice World a lot. I listen to there's this Icelandic band Var. I've been listening to a lot. Okay. Uh, still a lot of post rock. Still a lot of hardcore, sanction, vein. I love all that, like, uh, slightly new metal tinged, like, new hardcore that's coming mm-hmm. out. When it when it's done right, it's really good. Like, what? Where are you at? Um. So I'm still giant Neil Young fan. That's like the one thing that carried through for everything. So I'll I'll listen to to some Neil Young record just about every day. And I I think especially because the the dude has such a catalog that for whatever mood you're in like yeah like he's got synth records really <laughs> so, you know, yeah i didn't know that oh, oh, wow really? he's 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 got like weird devo sounding stuff he's got just acoustic stuff he's got like super heavy like sleeps with angels grungy dirgy kind of sounding stuff um so i listen to that that's probably like my my mainstay i still listen to a lot of country um coulter wall i love Code Orange is like probably in my top my top five of everything that they do. I'm just I'm blown away by it from yeah from the first EP that I heard up until the brand new record. It's like man, I'm so happy that like they grow and build upon their previous records. Yeah, I think they're kind of leading the charge of that new hardcore sound like it's like it's like that industrial produced like slightly new metal tinged like i i dig it i dig it same i really i really like um the vein record the vein record that came out i guess like yeah last year yeah that was super cool Um, that's my they're my favorite newer hardcore band and f- they have a side project band that's like very 90s alt called fleshwater Okay. And oh yeah. Oh my the, god, that is so good. It's so good. You got to check it out. And yeah, they're 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 both of those bands are going to have new LPs this year. They said so. I, those are probably my two most anticipated records of cool. uh, coming up. I can't wait for those. So what? How did you get into playing music? Did you start out on guitar? <clears throat> I did, and I started out on bass. Okay. Um, same. And and uh, did you really? Yeah. Whoa! I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. In fact. 
I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but we played a show together a long time ago, back in like 2005 or six. It was it was Backwoods Payback, and my first band, Paper Tiger, where I was on bass. Oh, and I was at that. Was that yeah. the diner? Was it at the diner? No, it was it was in like Malvern or somewhere weird. It was like this outdoor backyard stage or something. Not that I, yeah. I, I was, I was not there. Yeah, <laughs> and and I remember you. I remember your drummer like broke a, a bass pedal, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, are you laughing because I corrected the remember? Yes. Yeah. All right. Finish your story and then we'll go back. To that first part. <laughs> I realized that I say member, so I always have to like correct myself because I'll be like, remember, remember, remember yep, when you, uh, yeah. Yeah, I said it, I sent a text to Keith this morning and we were talking about something and I said <laughs> something to the effect of, how did you start every story? Every story starts with, yo, remember that time that dude? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so self conscious, I have to like be like, remember, remember that time? Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, backwards payback played, and I I remember the the drummer broke the bass pedal, and our our drummer had a double bass pedal, and I was always like really sympathetic to those type of situations. So I ran and I was like, "Yo, let let this guy use uh, your pedal," and we we played together. So that was yeah, Whoa. that was like years before we we started playing in a band together. So man, the the circles are just smaller and smaller and smaller. Man. It's crazy, dude. Nope. It's crazy. So you started out on bass. I started out on bass and um, I took two lessons and I hated it. Yeah. And, uh, and I told my mom, like, I don't want to take lessons anymore. And she was like, all right, you know, I, I thought you wanted to play. I was like, no, I do. <clears throat> so I just taught myself. And yeah. like, I had my own bootleg version of tabulature and I would like watch VHS videos of bands that I liked and like pause it and like look at where their hands were. And then yeah. just like, and then just kind of like, oh, okay, that sounds like that part. All right, cool. And uh, and then I played bass for like three or four years. And I wanted to write songs. And I couldn't figure out. I didn't think that I could write songs on the bass mm -hmm. and sing. So I traded. And, and I was like king trash picker, too. So like <laughs> I would try. I would, I would go around. And just like pull stuff out of the trash on trash nights and like like crazy stuff like instruments and amps and a drum set i didn't know how to play the drums but i found drums on the side of the road and i was like well gotta bring these home so, <laughs> <laughs> so i i had a, i had a, accumulated like four bass guitars and i traded one of them to another kid that went to the high school uh for a, for an electric guitar Mm -hmm. uh, and I was excited because it looked like the guitar that Paige Hamilton from Helmet played. Ooh, it was, oh, yeah. but, but I just liked the shape of it. And I was like, yeah, that's the one I want to play. Yeah. Uh, and so then I just kind of taught myself how to play that and had was lucky enough to have friends that played. And they would show me a couple things here and there. And I uh, that's awesome. That. That's like exactly how I that was like my exact trajectory too. once I I was started on bass I I really liked the bass sound on Endeavor's construct constructive semantics mm -hmm. so I I looked in the insert and I saw the guy was playing a Fender bass so I was like all right that's what I'll get and is that and, fun? Uh, what you do that you just you you find a picture or something you're like well I like that 
And th- then you then you get older and you're like, oh, it didn't matter what they were playing. Like it was yeah. them making that sound. <laughs> yeah. But in your mind, yeah. you're like, well, if, if Greg Ginn has a clear guitar, then I should have a clear guitar. That's exactly what you do. So I I have like an I but I have like an so this is so like embarrassing, but like when I was I think 16 or 17 i saved up a bunch of money and i bought an ibanez prestige like saber body uh antique violin it's like the most uh as my i i don't even know like what band you would like like unearth if you saw unearth and you were like what kind (laughs) of guitars they play you'd be like that fucking guitar uh i don't know why i chose it but in my head i every time i go to play guitar i'm like oh, you know what? I really want to play something that sounds like kind of like shoegazy kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, I have the wrong guitar for that. I should really be playing like a Telecaster. Like, I yeah. like, like <laughs> my immediate thought is, is like, well, just go out and spend $1,200. Like, that's true. Yeah. So just go do that now. What the fuck? <laughs> and then pick it up every time and be like, why don't you sound the way I want you to sound? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blame it. Like, blame it on that. It's like, I, I used to do it all the time with skateboarding. Like, I, I would like see something new in skateboarding, like, new shoes or new wheels or new tr- like i remember um there was a brand of trucks that came out for a while called tensor and mm-hmm. they had this like sliding extra like extra piece that kind of like helped with like nose slides and tail slides and i was like oh i have to get those because then i'll fucking be amazing at backside tail slides this is gonna be fucking right. awesome i got them and i was like i fucking still suck at these what is <laughs> happening right now like this is terrible like why can't i fucking do this trick like fucking saw Tom Penny do this. God damn it! Why is this not working? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I started on bass, and how how did you actually learn guitar? Now I wasn't going to do it because I I was like too many strings, too hard. But then in one of my classes, this kid showed me how to read basic guitar tablature, and I was okay. like, oh, that's easy. So that's kind of how I you know transitioned in guitar how did how did you do it almost the same exact thing i yeah. it, it seemed like an insurmountable task to because i would see people play and be like, what their hands are in these weird shapes and uh, well i don't even understand and then somebody was like no look here's, here's a power chord oh yeah <laughs> okay so you can just you could just do it yeah all right yeah <laughs> cool <laughs> So what was the first band you were in? Now, I know, I, there was a band that you were vocalist for, right, before yeah, Backwoods? Yeah, so that was Last Place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super, like, real VOD. It was fun. It was cool. It was it was heavy. It was, like, chaotic-y. And, uh, but I just sang. In, and I didn't just sing, but I sang in that because I wasn't comfortable um, playing, you know? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any confidence in myself doing that and i would write songs and show and, and like hey what if we did this song and those those guys were such amazing or are such amazing musicians that i'm sure they were like uh all right <laughs> let's, let's play mike's song it's like two <laughs> notes let's just go back and forth but in my head i was like yeah there it is so that we i was in that band for like six five years five or six mm-hmm. years and um, put out records and toured, and uh, those guys kind of went on and into different phases of life. And towards the end of that band is when I started really thinking, like, well, I want to have my own thing because I'm really into, you know, like Black Sabbath and Black Flag and Down and I Hate God and Crowbar and like, a, especially a lot of that, like New Orleans 
like sludgy. Yeah. 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 Acid yeah. bath. And so I was really into that. And those guys weren't really into that. And they were, they were kind of going more in the direction of like King Crimson and like, like later Dillinger escape plan, like real tech, real intense stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. So while while that band was kind of like winding down, I started demoing and and writing my songs, um, and that became Backwoods Feedback. Nice. So yeah. how how did it go from you're just demoing songs to full band? I did a demo. Uh, I played everything on it, and I sang, played the drums, played the bass, played the guitar, sang, <clears throat> and then I was not really in a band but i was like driving people sometimes and even back then it was like well i have a van so i'll i'll take your band to that place and so i was going to shows and i just dubbed the the demo tape and started leaving them around places mm-hmm. and um somebody was like hey do you want to play and i was like yeah I don't have a band. I should, I should probably like find some people to play. <laughs> and uh, so I asked um, a friend of mine that played drums to play drums. Couldn't find a bass player. So we didn't have a bass player. And then I, even at that point, I still wasn't comfortable like singing and playing the guitar. So mm-hmm. I had another friend sing. Really? And I, wow. I just played, yeah. I just played the guitar. And wow. so we, we, we played uh, for probably like six months like that. And, um, it was kind of, it, it had gotten to the point where we couldn't really do much else um, mm-hmm. just as that, as that lineup. And uh, a friend of mine, um, his name's Rylan. He plays the guitar too, but he wasn't in a band, but he would like write cool riffs. And then I would say like, Hey, can I use that riff? Yeah. And so eventually after that, I was like, why don't you just join the band? And then we'll have two guitar players. We yeah. don't have, we, you know, we don't have bass player, but we'll have two guitar players. <laughs> Uh, so he did that and then still couldn't find a bass player. And Jess, um, my wife was like, yo, I'll play the bass. Yeah. Like, you don't know. She was, I was like, you don't know how to play the bass. Like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so she did like the story of like the most driven person in the world was like, yo, I like that band. I'll be the bass player. Buy me a bass. <laughs> so we, ran, like, we found a bass and that was it, man. That's that's amazing. And I, I love hearing those stories because I, I wish I wish I would have had that drive. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. I wanted like I wanted to be in bands so much when I was young. But with bands or anything else, I guess I just was always sitting back waiting for things to happen. And just just hearing you taking the initiative to like record the demo yourself and get out there and network and drop the demo around and find the people to be in the band. And then like you don't even have the whole band, but you're still out there doing it is just is just awesome. It's I mean, it I, I, I owe it all to punk rock and hardcore. <laughs> just like, yeah, <laughs> figure it out. You want to do it, do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. So it, Exactly. And that's the lesson I've learned recently with my own musical pursuits and everything else. You just you can't sit around and wait for the perfect situation because it's never going to come. No. And you're, you're, you're never going to know everything. So you just have to fucking do it. You just have to start doing it and build on it. it when, when we would go on tour, I mean, even still, we, we go on tour and we always you always run into somebody. It's like like their band is really good. Like you're playing in Des Moines, Iowa. You're playing with this band that's like blowing you away and you think like man 
why doesn't this band go do like come to Pennsylvania, go on tour, put a record out. Yeah. And, and inevitably somebody goes, I wish like, Oh man, I wish we could tour. Like, but you can, <laughs> you just have to do it. Yeah. Like, Cause like, like no one, no one's unless no you're one, Justin Bieber, no right. one's going to, no one's going to knock on your door and say, Hey, we need you to get out on this tour yeah. now. Like you just have to do it. It's wild that like in 2020, people still have that idea that like it's not attainable that they can't do that yeah i can do it you just got to do it you got you got to you got to say like i'm not going to have uh, a really i'm not going to make a lot of money but i'm going to be happy i'm yeah. not i'm not going to drive a new car but i'm going <laughs> to tour i'm not going to you know it, it's all about like balances i'm a firm believer in it man you can do it you just you just got to do it <laughs> exactly Exactly. I love that. So, all right. So backwards payback is together. Mm -hmm. We've got, we've got a full lineup, right? Full lineup. We just start touring like, Hey man, let's, let's take two weeks and see how, how big this circle we can make. And everybody was on board. And so we would do it and we'd play to one person. We'd play to nobody. We'd play to 20 people, mm -hmm. but then we'd come home and then Say like, hey, all right, in like three months, let's do that again. Maybe we can make the circle bigger. And yeah. so we just kept doing that uh, until we were national, I guess, you know, until we were just playing. And it, we're not playing in front of thousands of people, but we're playing and like we're going where we want to go. Yeah, uh, you're playing good shows. You're playing good venues. You're you're yeah. still you're still doing you're still touring all over the country. It's, I mean, it, that's what it's all about. That's totally. It. So let's talk about, so when did you put out your first record? How did, how did we get, how did we get to the first record? The first record, uh, was <clears throat> the first like full length was 2007. And that was the self-titled, right? That was the self-titled. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, we played with a band called earth ride mm -hmm. from Maryland and uh became friends with them and i loved their record and i asked you know where they had made it and they had said oh this guy chris uh in maryland made it or you know we went and recorded and so i looked into him and he seemed like an unattainable goal like the dude made like saint vitus records and melvin's records and uh you know the obsessed and pentagram and like all these bands that we love and i was like man there's no way I could do that. And then Pale Divine, they went and they recorded with him. And I think like they they had reached out to him or like their label had reached out to him. And um, so I ran into the, this guy, Greg, from Pale Divine. And I was like, man, how was it like recording with him? I was like, it was amazing. You should do that. Here's his phone number. I was wow. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it took, took a couple days and then I got up the nerve and I called him. and talk to him and he was very just like sure uh okay that's great no, that, sounds, that's sounds a, good you know yeah that's another lesson i've learned especially with this podcast like all you have to do is ask and people yeah. will be like like and, and that that was such a foreign concept to me <laughs> it was there's times there's times where keith and i like be exchanging texts or like we'll talk and stuff like that and he'll be like can you fucking believe people help us out and i'm like <laughs> It's kind of unreal sometimes because you really do think this entire thing is going to be like an uphill battle because 
I, I think Keith has explained this before, but this literally started as, as multiple conversations between Keith and I, where we would be like, oh, we want to do this. We want to do that. And we always thought it was just going to be like, oh, we'll just have some of our friends on and talk about, you know, just talk shit. And yeah. then, like, you know, within like three or four <laughs> episodes, we had people being like, hey, we got the guy from Poison the Well. We're like, who? Are you fucking out of your mind? Like, are you fucking real? Uh, for real? Like, really? Like, yeah, he's going to he's going to talk to us from California. Like, holy shit. Really thought this was just going to be a bunch of our friends talking shit in a fucking hotel room that we got. Like, you know, yeah. like, it's wild when like you just ask. <laughs> It's yeah, terrible. all you have to do—it just has to be the right timing, you know. And, yeah, and and people will say yes. It's they're they're waiting. Like I, I remember reading a story about um, Mineral, who's one of my favorite bands, reuniting, mm-hmm. and they they said, you know, they said just they would have done it sooner, but no one ever asked them. Like one day, Jimmy Eat World randomly asked them, like, "Hey, like, do you want to reunite to play this show and or something like that?" And they were like, "Yeah." Like I'm like, no one Sounds asked good. fucking Mineral. What? I would have asked them. So, oh, how did you meet? Uh, how did you meet Pat and crew? So, Pat and, uh, and crew. folks, I'm re- I'm referencing uh, I'm referencing Pat Shannon, Northeast scene guest, and uh, we were all in a band together. So that's that's where I'm getting to. Um. So I uh got the hate to say it CD mm-hmm. from a friend that got it at Lollapalooza 1993. Wow. Oh, and Hate to Say It is the pre-All Else Failed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as as the story goes, Pat went to Lollapalooza 93 and I guess was just handing them out. Yeah. And a friend of mine got it. And then I heard it and I was like, this is awesome. We um, became obsessed with Hate to Say It. And we went and saw them in uh, in Phoenixville at the Phoenixville High School. They had like a benefit show, and hate to say it was playing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I went, and I didn't know like where the show was in in the school. And this guy walks up to me, and he's like, "Hey, um, do you want to come inside and see my band?" And I was like, "Sure." what band are you in? And he went, uh, I'm in a band called hate to say it. And I was like, Whoa, you're the, <laughs> ba- you're the band that I'm here to see. And that guy was Luke. So uh, I, met, I met Luke first. Yeah. Uh, and so we went inside and saw them play and what they were playing was completely different than the CD. It, it had like gone to the next level. So they, they were, they were playing based on this tape that they had called defenseless. Mm-hmm. And it was like definitely precursor to all else failed, but it was so awesome. Yeah. So we exchanged numbers, Luke and I, and then I kept in touch with him. And I think I called, or he called me, or I called him. It's like, oh, when are you playing again? And he was like, oh, we have a new band. Uh, it's called All Else Failed. I was like, okay, cool. And I went. I don't remember where that show was. It was in Upper Darby somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I met Pat, like for real Pat. Well, yeah. but that's when I really met him. Yeah. Uh, and I think like he had a Phillies hat on. And so like I had like a Phillies shirt. Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't even remember. <laughs> it was so long ago. But um, yeah, that's that's how I met those guys and uh, just became number one fan and um, would go wherever they were playing. And then like, Fast forward to then I had a band 
last place and last place started playing shows with all this failed. And that was super cool that like I'm playing and I'm also playing with my friends, but I'm also playing with my friends are in this band that I genuinely fucking love. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was it. It was all very organic. It was very just, you know, a, as only 1994 or 95 could do, it was just like, <laughs> uh, do you want to see my band? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it. That's the only thing to do. I mean, yeah, no, there was nothing. There was, <laughs> yeah. I, I would go to, to the city and like, look for flyers yeah. to see, like, to see if there were shows happening anywhere. And, uh, and collect flyers and stuff. That was the best. Like I get on payday, driving down to South Street, going to a corrupted oh. image and uh, repo. And what was the metal one? Rock and roll plus. Yeah, Rock and roll plus. Yeah, yeah. Grabbing Rock all the flyers. Plus. My yeah. my favorite uh, was always noise pollution, which was like on Fourth Street. Uh, mm -hmm. It was it was kind of like the out of the way one, but that dude had every like hardcore band demo from like ninety up until like you know whatever year you were in so like that's where i bought the first vod demo i put a biohazard demo there <laughs> so it, it was cool because he was just like an obvious just burnout stoner dude that loved music and it was like his his record store was more just an excuse for him to hang out <laughs> than it was like a record store yeah. yeah there was that do you guys remember that place it wasn't on south but it was right off it was called the wooden shoe i think yeah yeah Totally. So I got super into like grind and crust in high school and Anthony and I used to go in there and I remember a couple times going in there and being like, does anybody fucking work here? Like it was empty. Like, first of all, you would go in and like be like, all right, like, like listening to shit, finding stuff, like making piles of things like, OK, I'm going to go up and check out and like literally being like, there's no one here. Like, yeah. Because apparently, like, the whole thing was is a lot of it was done through volunteer. Like, a lot yep. of people were kind of like, so <laughs> I remember being like, uh, who do we pay? And we just left the stack of records the one time because we were like, okay, there's nobody here to check us out. Like, what the fuck? We're not going to say that just like, walk off with it. I don't even know how much any, there was no price tags on anything. Like, we didn't know how anything cost. Like, it was the it, best. <laughs> it was just like, and then when you would get somebody behind the counter, you'd be like, all right, uh, there was, I remember we bought, uh, we had, we were like, we're going to split this record because we didn't have any money with us, but we had like right. enough to be able to buy one LP. It was a band called Suppression and another band called Cripple Bastards. They had done a split LP. Yeah. We're like, let's fucking, I was like, we're buying this. So we fucking go out to the counter and we're like, uh, how much? And she kind of like glared at us for a second. She's like, you guys don't want any literature. And we're like, I'm sorry. Like and she's like, do you what guys? She's like, we have we have like a whole section over there with books. So like Anthony and I kind of like sheepishly were like, okay, we'll walk uh, over here and like look at stuff, and then we walk back over and we're like, yeah, we'll just take this. And we bought like this, like we got like it was like a it was essentially amounted to a pamphlet that somebody had made. We're like, we'll take this, and she was like, and she kind of like glared at us for a second, and then she was like, okay, that's nine dollars, and we kind of looked at each other like she just made that up. She fucking had no oh, clue what anything costs. Like she was like, yeah, that's nine dollars. I was like, what the fuck? We could have just been like, all right, uh, we have eight dollars between the two of it. Like she didn't really like it was very obvious they didn't care how much anything cost. That was the best. I remember <laughs> hearing 
stories about that place like my friend was like oh can you see if they have this book here and i think she said like oh they're like kind of mean there or like meaning the mm-hmm. staff or or something like that i was like oh great that sounds like a fun experience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um what a nausea record though that, oh, was, nice. that, was, that was like, of course, that's where I bought a nausea record. I was, <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, yeah. you can't, that's where you yeah. bought, that's where, if you wanted to go buy things like Ass Suck, or uh, if you wanted to buy, uh, God, what was the other one? Agents of Satan. Like, there was yep. stuff that we would buy there, and I'm like, this is the only fucking place that you could buy this. But uh, it literally was like one of those places, for anybody that hasn't ever been there, or was, I, I don't even know if it's still open. Imagine like uh, a super like punk rock version of like Portlandia. Like, it's that kind of, like, it's almost so, it was so, like, outlandish, it was borderline cartoonish. Like, when you were mm-hmm. in there, you're like, is, <laughs> like, you, you half kind of want to be like, are there cameras in here? Is someone fucking, is this fucking candid camera? Like, is this fucking really happening? Like, did, does the lady behind the counter, like, have a shaved head with, like, one stripe of green in it? What the fuck is going on right now? Like, but, you know, keep in mind, like, Anthony and I were like two private school kids from fucking Bucks County that were like, oh, we're going to go down to South Street and buy records. And like, we were everything those people hated. <laughs> like, we literally embodied it. I remember walking in there being like, oh, it was palpable. Like, that woman was just like, fuck these yeah. kids. Like, but they keep the lights on. So, fuck them. <laughs> yep. So, the first Backwoods Payback record was out in. 2007. Uh, 2007. Yeah. And then we got started with legendary Westchester slash Philadelphia area band Crash of 64 around 2008. And now that was was Backwoods Payback like on a hiatus or something when you were doing that? When we were doing that or like. So when we were doing that, um, it wasn't on a hike. Well, I guess. Sort of, sort of it was. So our drummer at the time was guitar tech, drum tech for CKY. Mm-hmm. And I think he was on tour for like a majority of a year. Mm-hmm. And that's probably when Crash of 64 started. Yeah. So we, I, I, I remember I, starting that band. There, there was like a lot of lineup shifting in the beginning and we tried out three singers mike one of which you were and you were the only person who actually sang during the tryout like everyone else really yeah like the, everyone else would just kind of show up and we'd play and they'd be like uh uh like no one else actually sang so what you, you they just kind of stood there yeah it was weird weird yeah so, so i got that was that at the um the it was like a rehearsal studio yeah in maniunk or something yeah yeah Yeah. so you know and pat was kind of like pat was kind of like the decision maker about things and and you know i'm glad because we ended up with like the best people and we finally settled on the lineup of myself and you and paul and Pat, Mm -hmm. remember it was we were a four piece at first without a bass player yeah again no bass player yeah. See, bass players are just, you just don't need them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. No, <laughs> I just wanted to see how you'd react to that statement, uh, given given your band situation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, uh, yeah, man, that was that was weird. 
I, if I remember right, I wasn't even, I wasn't going to go. I think yeah. Pat was going to come, yo, come, come through as, as only P. Shan can. Yo, come through. I, I want to, I want you to hear this I, or like help me out. It, it was, it was done under the guise of like, yo, come do me a favor or like, yeah. come, come help me out or come, I don't know, whatever. Come, come drink a beer or something. Yeah. And, uh, but no, then I heard what you guys were doing. I was like, wow, it's cool. And I, yeah, it, it like spoke to, it spoke to me. So, yeah, that, and that was just like the ultimate band to be in at that time because I was obsessed with like post hardcore and quicksand and handsome and all those type of bands, helmet. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's probably my favorite band I've ever been in. Just the people in it and, the good times and all that stuff. And it just really lined up with everything I was trying to do. And it was also really important to me because that's the first band I played guitar in. And like you mentioned earlier, I just really wanted to be involved in the songwriting process and yeah. just, you know, and it was like a step up for me. I'm like, I'm in a band. It sounds like how I want it to sound. Cause I was in a band before that. And it was more of like a, you're, typical rock band but i was always more on like the hardcore post-hardcore side of things and I'm playing guitar i'm writing songs and it was just i'm like this is it oh and on top of that i'm playing with pat like when the before the band started i was like hey man i don't know if i'll be able to be in a band with you because like you're really good and i'm not like, so, so like I, so, I, I listened to his to his uh episode well i listened yeah. to all the episodes but when i heard that one that was that was the first time that i had heard like how that band really started started because i i just i kind of knew the, the like i thought that you guys just knew each other and we're we're like hey man let's do this band i didn't realize that it was like i know of you or i know from you and and then it came together so that was that was super cool and wow yeah that was that was wild it it, it made me appreciate it even more yeah you know? i didn't know Paul or Pat really at all. I tried out for an early, early version of what became murder Texas, like yeah. a year prior maybe, but I didn't, I didn't know them at all. So crazy. I know. So how, tell me your experience with that band. How, how do you look back on it? Um, I know that it was, it was a little, it was super refreshing for me to, to, to sing and not have a guitar on me. Yeah. Um, but it was also, I had, I had at that point been singing and playing the guitar for so long that I felt awkward. I didn't know what to do with myself, which was yeah. weird because, because for years and years and years before that, I never had an instrument on me. So I just did whatever. And I, I know I, I was like painfully aware of my body. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, that's gotta be I, so weird. It it was super weird. And um but it but it was cool. It it was it was really exciting to write uh with other people. Um because for a majority of, of the backwoods stuff it, it's it's me like writing everything. And then it's a lot you know, of pressure and, too. To and write then, and to... Yeah. And 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 it's it's hard it's good to um it's hard to not fall into the same traps it's hard to not like well i really like this so i'm just gonna go back to that like i like this change so 
I do that, or I like the way that this feels. So I continually rely on it. And it was exciting for me to have you guys writing these songs that I had really nothing to do with musically and then kind of like putting myself into it. So it broke me out of a lot of, of fallbacks that I had had lyrically or melody wise. And it was, I look back, I look at that band very fondly. I I think, I think I grew a lot um, as, as a songwriter uh, from playing with you guys. Me sure. too, because that was that was like I wrote one song for my previous band, but that was where I really started developing songwriting, and it just pushed me further in the direction of being able to front a band myself. Because I I started playing guitar in like two thousand one or two thousand two, mm-hmm. I didn't try to sing and play myself until like I don't know fourteen years later or something. So <laughs> it took me a really long wow. time to yeah. to to get up that confidence. So what was the first song that you wrote in that band? What was the first? Because you had songs before I showed up. Yeah. I, well, I, I think I walked in to, to month, month. Yes. There, there right? was, there was two or three songs we wrote that did not, that just, you know, they didn't make the cut. Yeah. The first song I wrote was the second track on the EP. No easy outs. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was the first one. The first one that was recorded anyway. That that was recorded. Okay. Yeah. Did you have that riff for month month? No, that was Pat. And when he I, we practiced in my basement in my Philly house, I'll never forget him coming to practice with that riff and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like and cuz the timing is so weird, it took it me was like so weird. It took me a while to figure it out and then once then once we got it down and that 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 is one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of writing. And to this day, that's like my dad's favorite song of like anything I've ever done. He he would play that thing like nonstop. That's so cool. Yeah, so that's that's a win there. Crash of sixty four just kind of like fizzled out from one day to the next. We were we were starting to record a new EP and you know, I I know I was really unraveling at that point because there was mm-hmm. like there was this relationship I was in that I was just grasping onto and, you know, I was trying to hold myself together as far as like drinking and all that stuff goes and not really succeeding. And every everything was just kind of unraveling for me. And then all of a sudden the band was just done. It was like there was no conversation. There was no like like I, I think I just texted Pat. I'm like, are we practicing? And then I don't even know what happened. Like what what happened from your end? Uh, I'm in the same boat, man. I, I know that <laughs> I was. So you guys tracked the uh, the first round for that second EP at the Creep House. Yeah. And um, so I know that you guys went and tracked the the first tracks of it. And I wasn't there because Backwoods was out somewhere. Oh. I, I remember that. Um, and then I came home. And I think I was probably, I think I was actually on tour because I came home and asked Pat how everything went and he was like, good, good. And then he played, I think he played them for me. I never, I've never actually, I've only ever heard that stuff once and he played it for me. And I remember thinking like, man, it's really fast. Yeah. 
Um, like it's, it's a lot faster than what we were doing, but yeah. okay, cool. You know? And I was like, okay, awesome. Well, should I, should I talk to, to Eric about like when to go and what to do? And he was like, ah, yeah, like we're going to, you know, we'll figure it out. And that was it. <laughs> that, was, that was like, that was literally it. And then, and then it was like, okay. Yeah. And then we never spoke of it again. <laughs> so that's weird, I, right? It's, it's super weird. It's super weird, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one or to talk. Cause I, I have records like sitting at a studio right now. Like, I have two records sitting in a studio that I'm like, oh, I'm over that. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Really? So, so yeah. So I, so I get it when, when it's done, it's done. And maybe, maybe it was done for Pat and it wasn't done for us, or maybe it was done for Paul or what, wh- whatever it was, it seemed like it was done. And so I just went, okay, I'll, I'll keep moving, you know, but yeah. And that I, was that was a very that was like the beginning of the end for me, because like things, you know, th- I was just like, man, this relationship didn't work out. This band didn't work out. And I was trying to get another band started and that didn't exactly work out. And it was it was a tough time. But I definitely look back. Oh, one of my favorite memories is we we came to your house. Your house is like a, a magic wonderland. It's like deep <laughs> in the woods. There's like a creek behind it. It's just it's just fucking awesome. And we, yeah. we showed up. We showed up for practice and and we go inside and there's a note with two uh like Roman candles and it says, Yo, we're in the creek. Uh send up fireworks to let us know when you're here. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> that was amazing. But here's what I'm proposing. I think eventually okay. I think eventually we those new songs we wrote were good. I think eventually Do you we, have them? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm can, I've been meaning to Oh, absolutely. I've been right. meaning to send I, them to... I literally heard them in a car once. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was it. Dude, I got to get them to you. I'm going to send them to you and Pat, and I think eventually we we see what's up. Maybe we get together and play and, and see if it's something we want to entertain. Just just to, like, not, not as, like, a full-time band, because I don't think any of us have time for that, but plus I live up here. But just mm-hmm. play, maybe play a couple shows and, hey, man. and rec- record those songs. Er- Eric... Uh, Larson, the drummer of Backwoods Payback, lives in Richmond, Virginia. So, oh, there's, really? There, yeah, there's no such thing as like border restraints. You know, <laughs> you you can make it just like we said before. If you want to do it, you just got to do it. <laughs> That's it. That's right. That's right. We're gonna have to. No, I would love to do that, man. That would be cool. And this this question is for my own personal entertainment. Did, was I scary out of control back in no. that time, or was I, I like just normal? Like, oh. I, he, I heard you ask Pat that, and I, and, and I was like, "No!" But it, it, I answered the question for <laughs> when you asked that. So uh, I'll, I'll answer you now. No, not at all. Okay, not at all. That, you're, that's you're good, just, to, dude. Okay, I didn't, I didn't, I never thought you were out of control. I never thought you were wild, and I thought you were a dude playing music, having fun, drinking okay. beers. That, that's good to hear. So that means that I'm allowed to to take it up a notch and get more out of control, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 th- I, th- I think you reached like level four. You, you have like another six levels of like, yes, of- yes. It, it certainly grew over the years. <laughs> so moving ahead, 
Crash uh-huh. 64 is done. We're we're still doing Backwoods Payback. How did right. you get started with uh with your solo touring? Um that was I was writing songs um that didn't really fit in with Backwoods. They were, you know, all acoustic sounding. And like Backwoods will put acoustic songs on records, but mm-hmm. these these definitely were going in a direction that like wasn't you know, we weren't going to go play like a stoner doom fest and I was going to have an acoustic guitar. Do right. stuff. So I just started slowly tracking them and not really knowing what to do with it. And, uh, we had like a couple months that backwoods wasn't really going to do anything. And I just thought, well, I guess I'll try this. And so I, I tried one solo show in Westchester and I thought it went horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I'm never going to do that again. And then I was asked to go play this little like, uh, songwriters, like a songwriter in the round thing, like three yeah. three people sitting on a stage at the same time, and, and it was with two people that I I really admire for their songwriting and and just as people in general. And I was like, why do you want me to do that? Like that they were like, oh, well, we saw your solo show and thought it would be awesome. Yeah, which then, which then also made me think. All right, so I thought the worst thing that I ever did in the world. Somebody else thought, hey man this guy should do this, which, which helped break me out of another, you know, I go back and forth about like crisis of confidence in my life, uh, especially like music wise, but, um, which I think everybody does. I think if you don't, then you're, you're full of shit, you know? Absolutely. And I played, you asked me to play that solo acoustic gig. I mm-hmm. think it was at Hank saloon in Brooklyn a while yeah. ago. And that was the very first time. I've ever tried to sing and play guitar like in front of people and it was fucking terrifying and I I was not happy with it at all cuz it was it was just you know same as you it was the first, yeah. my first time doing it and what I didn't realize is playing acoustic and singing is a whole separate skill set from from playing with a full band there's like a whole different way to do it, a whole different way to play. It's it's like it's like its own thing. But I'm I'm glad I did it because, you know, you you got to get past the first one to continue. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad you did it too. And that's yeah. And, and you learn from it, you know? Just just like you said, there's a whole different way to approach doing it than it is with just turn your distortion box on and go for it. And exactly. um, which, which is which is great as well. But so so yeah so I was I I re- recorded a bunch of those songs and um I did that that solo show I hated it uh, I ended up doing that singers that songwriters in the round thing and then I felt myself like oh okay it it was pretty much exactly what you just said like oh I learned oh I can just do I can ease up I can I can like let this stuff happen and I'm not I don't have to attack this thing like I do with everything else mm-hmm. and uh. And I was like, I could, I could probably do more of these. And so I booked like a show in Delaware and I liked that. And I did one in, in Maryland and I liked that. And it was, it was pretty much exactly like backwoods 10 years before that. It was like, well, let me see if I can do three of them in a row. All right. Let me see if I can do seven of them. All right. Let me see if I can do 10 of them and just keep broadening that circle. That's awesome. And is that how uh, MRC and the souvenirs came about? Was it like an extension of the the solo act? Totally. 
it was, it was, I wanted to be able to do, I wanted to make music with people that I admired and that I love. Um, but I didn't want to call it a band. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, and, and the souvenirs was that came from a friend, actually, oddly enough, the same friend that gave me the hate to say it CD said that he had a dream that we were in a band called the souvenirs. Wow. And, and uh, uh, I remembered that like years later and I was like, well, I'll call it souvenirs. And that way it's like, I get to pick these people and these times in my life and from their life and we all get together. But if person B isn't there today, it's still a suit. It, it, it's not missing anything from the band. So the souvenirs are like a, a constantly evolving, revolving lineup of people. And it's had, it's had everybody from essentially all else failed and crash of 64 mm -hmm. as, as like the band to uh, people from like heavy temple in Delaware to uh, people from the boils and like, you know, Duffy's cut and uh, in, in Philly. And it's cool. It's cool to see all these different people from different genres and kind of walks of life all get together in one room and make this music. And uh, it's fun. I love that. That's, that's the approach I'm taking with my band. Like my band put out an EP a couple years ago and then it quickly dissolved and I, I kept trying to get it back together, but never could. So I, I'm never going to say that it's done. I, I would like to do it again mm -hmm. with other people. If I collaborate with one other person and put out a song, it's still the basement year. If I manage to do this band with Tommy and whoever else like we're planning on doing, it's still the basement year. It's just going to be with it's you. Who, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. it, it's going to be with me and whoever I'm playing with and our contributions to the thing. And so I, you know, I, it used to really burned me up that it wasn't happening the way I wanted to but now I'm just like hey when it happens it happens it's never totally. done I think yeah. we all get hung up on, on the idea of things yeah. or the idea of how we hope things or how we want things to be instead of just realizing how cool they can be yeah yeah and that that's awesome that like the dream thing because my favorite song that I wrote with the basement year that the song title came to me in a dream like someone said this phrase to me in the dream and I was like there you go. Song title. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love when shit happens like that. Hell yeah. Wow. So you're in one of my, probably my favorite live band uh, of any band and Philadelphia mainstays and classics all else failed. Yeah. So let, let's talk about how that came about. It's a, it's a mind fuck still. Now, now first, <laughs> let me say, first, let me say that has to be a dream come true because like, Holy shit to be like to be a part of that of that powerhouse like it live is. and everything else it just must be fucking crazy awesome. It's it's incredible. It's yeah. it's you know it's like I think I said it before uh but like I got to join my favorite band. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the shit that's that like you're, you're 13 years old and you're like man and then the, the guitar player couldn't do it anymore so they were like we need somebody and then you, I got off there and did it. Yeah. No, but, but it was literally like, uh, we need somebody. Can you push these buttons and yell? I was like, yes. Of course. <laughs> I've waited my entire life for this. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I love those guys. Uh, I love, I love their band. Um, it's really neat to see how the chocolate's made. 
Yeah. <laughs> which, which is cool too. And, uh, it, it's also awesome to know that like all those years that I spent, like, man, they must be. And like, I knew them and I, I've been friends with everybody, but when you see them play, it's like, they're not your friends anymore. They're there. They take on this other life. Yes. Cause you when know? I'm at, when I'm at a show and I'm watching you guys, it's like, it's not like, Oh, there's Mike and there's Pat and there's Steve. It's like, it just becomes this other thing. And it, it's totally. like, Oh, we're, we're in the shit now. Like this is yeah. happening. Yeah. So, so go, going for, for that was like perfectly state. <laughs> oh, we are in the shit. Right now. <laughs> like but when you're up there and you press the button, like for that opening sample, I mean, just, just walking down the street, listening to all's failed. Like mm-hmm. I want to start like doing kick flips off buildings and knocking into people. So if you're, <laughs> if you're up there pushing the button, getting it started, it must be like an otherworldly experience. It totally is, man. It's super cathartic. Uh, it's it's really it's it's intimidating still yeah um but in a good way you know? yeah. like like i have to be i want to be the best version of me when i'm there yeah because because they deserve nothing less than that and they've given me so much more than the than, than the best version of themselves mm-hmm. i don't, i don't want to be like the weak link. Yeah. And I, I think that's a super important part of that band too, is that they, they push each other in the, in the best possible way. Like, Oh, you're, you wrote this really cool thing. Awesome. I'm going to play it even better. Okay. <laughs> oh, you wrote this like beautiful line. Great. I'm going to sing it harder than you ever imagined. And it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's really awesome. Like I said, to see how the chocolate's made to see like, fuck. So I have to push that, but, and it sounds silly saying like I have to push that button the best that I can, but like I have to channel every every part of that and make sure that like I'm not standing there doing something. I have yeah. to be I have to be an integral cog in that machine, and it's really exciting. No, absolutely. And here's a here's a uh, technical question: Do you find it hard? to like keep up with the screaming vocals as time goes on. Well, I used to smoke like smoke and vape a lot. So I, when I was doing that, I would find that after I screamed along to like half a song, I'd be wiped out and I'd have to take a break. But, but now that I'm not doing that anymore, I find I can keep it up a little bit. So how, how do you, how do you keep up with it? Do you just, are you just able to do it through practice or do you you have like a routine or. I I think it's really practice. I think I've, I've been doing, I've been singing or screaming or whatever you want to call it for so long that it's second nature. I think it's, uh. it's a muscle. It's a muscle. It's like anything. Yeah. Um, but like I warm up, uh, I do some, some really just loosen, loosen up your neck, you know, mm-hmm. get, get, get your vocal cords feeling. All right. Get your muscles going. Okay. And I think that helps a lot. I didn't do that for years. I, I started doing that probably 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it, it, it helped immensely i don't lose my voice i don't I, I i can do 25 shows in a row and just be fine i i know that luke struggled for a little while uh with with because that i mean that dude is like on 100 at all points in that set so oh, yeah i i know that he he was struggling not struggling but he was nervous about losing his voice because he didn't want to you know he didn't want to be out um 
and I showed them some, some warm up stuff and like we, we do our warm ups together and it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to say like you can, you can see it and you can hear it between when he didn't do that stuff and when he does it now. And like mm-hmm. we did, we did 11 shows in a row in Europe and I know that he was nervous about it because that's, that's the most that he's done in a, in a row in, in years. And he sounded stronger on the 11th show than he did on the first show. Wow. And it, it and it's just like, it's like muscle memory. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a thing. You just train it and you work on it and you take care of it. And it's good. I don't knock on wood. I'm, I'm still good, man. That's great. For a long time. I still feel good. Yeah. So let's talk about that European tour because the videos I saw, those crowds looked gigantic. Like, I mean, geez, how was it to play those shows? It was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was so cool. And like Voices Fire took such good care of us. And, uh, yeah. I can't love those dudes more. But, yeah. But it was awesome to, to, to play those shows. And in a selfish way, it was awesome to finally see my favorite band playing those shows. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like I'm still able to, I'm the new guy who's been in the band for like eight years or whatever, but I'm still able to say like, you guys deserve this. And I've wanted this for you for so long. And now yes. I get to see you doing it. And I also get to do it with you. So yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. Those, and the crowds were super receptive and like, you know, I think people didn't really know what to expect because yeah. Voices Fire takes out really cool bands. They take out different genre bands. And I think that we were the the nod to like, this is where we came from, man. Like at our heart, we are all hardcore kids. And oh, so yeah. we didn't forget. And neither did these dudes. And it was, was- it was, it was super cool. Was there ever a crowd who like really lost their mind to you guys, kind of like how it is in Philly or the Northeast or anything like that? There, there was, um, there were two shows, and I, I'll, I know one of them was at a place called Skaters Palace. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what what city it was in, uh, but there were people that knew Route One. Really? Oh, yeah, and uh, and like knew it to the point that like they were freaking out the way that philly freaks out and i like took took the mic and like jumped down and like gave this dude the mic and he sang <laughs> like, i love that he sang that. the end yeah. of Route one and it was it was incredible it was so awesome to see that some dude in germany <laughs> like <laughs> losing his mind and that's um, like the that's the dream that's the dream situation that i always dream of at every hardcore show like you know, they're like, hey, we need some help. And they, they pass the mic down and then like totally. you're part of the show. <laughs> that's, that's fucking awesome. I, I, I think like that's as big a part of me being in that band as like anything is, you know, I got to join my favorite band. So I want you to get I want you to feel the way that I feel. Every time. So, yeah. you know, that's it's the best. I love that. And yeah, just just seeing the size of those shows, they I mean, see, seeing you become a part of the band a while ago and then just seeing all you guys overseas playing those gigantic shows, it was just I was just like, fuck, yes, <laughs> this is this is it. Awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was super. It was super awesome. Those are some of the biggest crowds I ever played in front of. 
it was yeah. wild. They, they were like 3,000 seat venues. They were sold out. Every date on that tour was sold out. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so Mike, what when we're not playing uh, 3,000 capacity shows and t- doing national tours and uh, doing solo tours and everything else, what, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time? Now, I know you're a huge uh, Phillies fan. We've got mm-hmm. that, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Phillies fan. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know. I just like hanging out. I don't, I don't really, <laughs> it, it doesn't take much to like make me happy. You know, I just lately I like, like just walk in. So you kind of alluded to it. We have like this, this place out here, you know, and it's like, I think Jess and I really worked hard to make it feel the way it made me so happy when you said that you felt it when you came here. Yeah. That like we, that's what we want to live in. We want to be in, we want to be surrounded by like creativity and that feeling of like, you know, that palpable magic, you know? Yeah. So I love being here. I love walking around the property. I love mowing. I love watering all the, the beds and it's cool, man. It's, I don't, really do much when i'm home i'm just home i think because i'm gone a lot now so Mm -hmm. uh especially the last couple months it's it's been it sucks because it puts so many things on hold but it's also cool that like if i'm gonna be put on hold i'm in my favorite place oh yeah it's like it's like a real life version of the shire or something it's it's fucking awesome yeah totally so what do we have coming up now? Um, I guess, I guess future tours and shows and all that stuff are still up in the air, right? Yeah. But do not... we have any releases or anything that are, that are pending or anything like that? Um, so I have a solo record that will probably see the light of day at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on it for a year and, uh, it's definitely like the most, the biggest undertaking I've done solo wise. It has mm. tons of players and tons of instruments and it's, it's very big. It's very, it's very much like that seventies harvest, uh, Graham Parsons, like the stuff that I grew up, my mom was listening to, yeah. um, like that really kind of neat folky country, but it's not, I, it's so hard to describe. I don't know. Um, so that's, that's been taking up a lot of my time right now. Uh, Backwoods is like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, our drummer lives in Richmond. He's also in Avail. He's a founding member of the band Avail. Oh. Um, and Avail did uh, finally reunion shows, which were amazing last year. Yeah. And I know, and I know that they have a couple things that were scheduled this year. I don't know if they're all going to happen or not, but um. So that, that kind of contributes to Backwoods being in a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, and then I'm working for Amigo the Devil a lot. Uh, whenever that touring cycle can start back up again, I'll be on the road with that. And I don't know. I feel like I, feel like I have a lot of irons in the fire, but none of them are really ready <laughs> for anything yet. It's just it's hard to think about what I'm even going to do next week, much less like I don't want to plan a tour for September and then realize that it can't be done so exactly exactly we we don't know what the hell is going to happen no man well like i mentioned earlier 
my life hasn't changed too much as a result of this thing. So we have the podcast, Tommy and I, that we, we can continue doing. There's a there's so many good video games out right now. I can't even keep up. Oh, so man. That, we have Switch. Yeah. And, uh, we, we started, I looked up co-op games because we like to play like games, like puzzle games together. Yeah. And we've been playing this game called Death Squared. It's so good. It's oh. like, uh, it's, it's like, it sounds like Paul Rudd is just making fun of you the entire time. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I can't describe it any more than that. It's just, it's puzzles. And he's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Right. It's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just taking it day by day. That's all you can do. Right. Yeah. So right. Tommy, what, what's, what's going on with, the school year is that so i actually so i teach in new jersey uh so i teach in trenton they just announced last week on i believe on tuesday that we will be closed for the remaining of the year okay uh, that means all of my classes the way they've been since uh march 16th is the first day we had online classes um will continue like that until june 19th my thing now is that i'm starting to see kind of I don't know how much I can go into a lot of the stuff that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So my well, my wife teaches um, in a local district, and uh, she has uh, professional development coming up when the students are out, and like towards the end of June, mm-hmm. and the end of June professional development that they've already announced is how to begin your year online. That's that's kind of the same thing that everybody that that I know out here in the teaching industry is 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 about to start dealing with too. So. Yes. So uh, I, I, I'm not concerned. I teach math. So a lot of the math is really nice in that uh, the programs that are set up give you pretty much instant data. So I can look at what the kids get and what the kids don't get um, mm-hmm. and then reteach to those understandings either the same day or the next day, um, which is really, really helpful. But uh, I don't know what it's going to look like for the more in-depth classes, like the things like reading and, and writing. Uh, uh, a lot of it, it seems to be kind of nebulous and we don't, we haven't really figured out exactly what that looks like. Uh, the nice part is, is that uh, uh, we have a new baby at home. So we've been spending a lot of time just hanging out around the house, doing projects. That's, awesome, uh, That's I, good. Yeah. So I, I skateboard and uh, the, all the skate parks are closed. So uh, I made an early, early morning trip. It was actually one of the only times I've really been out of the house. Uh, I don't have a spleen. I lost it from skating handrails uh, when I was <laughs> well, 16. So uh, my immune system is not great. So if there's anybody okay. that's supposed to go out, if there's uh, errands that have to be run in the house, my wife typically takes care of them. The one I did do is uh, I got up at like five in the morning one day and I got all prepped up and I, I made everybody's breakfast before I left. And I got to, I got to Lowe's at six o'clock in the morning as they were unlocking the doors and I bought uh, a bunch of wood and I built a little... Uh, uh, bench to skate out in my backyard. So that was like my daughter's day with me was, uh, we measured out all the wood. We learned how to use a ruler. We learned like, Hell yeah. safety with like circular saws and how to make sure that like everything was, you know, measured up correctly and how everything was shored. Right. And like, you know, they were like, Oh, how, what does that mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like, and they were just all about it because at the end of it, um, we had a really nice bench that they can sit on and a really nice bench that daddy can skateboard on. So. <laughs> Love it. And so, whenever I whenever I hear that Tommy is skating again, I'm always like, dude, <laughs> d- don't, don't lose another organ. 
(laughs) (laughs) i get worried i know it's really it's it's so funny is like uh i i try to explain to people like why like they're like why would you go back to it and i think it's kind of like the same thing that we all experience with hardcore it's like how do you not how do you not be a part of it like it's just it's it's innate it's something i've done I, I was actually having this conversation with my mother like not that long ago. We were talking about, um, you know, I, I was telling her the story about building the, the thing with the girls like to skateboard on. And she was like, you know, I think about that day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, we went to a garage sale in Warminster and I saw a little skateboard on the ground and I picked it up and I showed it to you and I spun one of the wheels and I said, look at this. Look at how neat this is. And you said, can I get that? And she goes, and here we are 30 years later and you're still riding the goddamn things and you're still getting hurt. And I saw that picture that you posted the other day with the goddamn thing. I swear to God, if your kids and she starts going off and it's like she immediately like she loves the fact that it was when I was younger, she loved that it was not. You know, when parents were complaining like, oh, my kid's always inside on the couch and watching TV and playing video games. Like, I, I was never that kid. I was always outside on my skateboard. I was always outside with my friends. Like, but for me, like being home like this is is a time to I, I know a lot of people are like getting stir crazy and they're getting mm-hmm. upset and they're getting, you know, anxious. Yeah. I have I have found this and I, I say this with all honesty. I have found this time very relaxing. Yeah. I have found awesome. it almost cath- like cathartic. Like yeah. th- there's been times where, uh, so uh, I don't know how to fix a lot of things. I-, I grew up, my father passed away when I was five. So I didn't really have a lot of male guidance in my house of like how to do stuff. Uh, right. So things around my house, uh, I don't know how to do. So I'm, I actually ha- I'm very lucky. I have a guy that lives across the street from me. That is just like kind of like a jack of all trades. Like he's a mechanic, he's a carpenter. Like he knows how to do a lot of different things. And I've just slowly started to be like, "Hey, man, uh, I broke my washing machine." He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, it's like it's leaking." He'll be like, "Bro, you can fix that. You know that, right? Like you can you can totally figure out what's leaking and buy the part and replace it. You don't have to be a mechanic to do this shit." And I'm like, right. "I've always thought like, oh no, you have to hire someone to do this stuff." And it's like. I, I've learned slowly that a little bit of elbow grease, uh, a good amount of spending time in front of the you, you know, just like uh, you, YouTube dude. and shit. That, yeah. Like, yeah, bro, it's fucking like I I can't think of all the times when we were growing up and my like something would break at my house and my mom would be like, "Well, I gotta call somebody," and it's like, "Holy shit, you can fix like ninety percent of the stuff in your house if you just totally. if you, are, are you yeah. competent at googling and watching yeah. videos." <laughs> Yep. Yeah. That, can you, that's can you tighten a screw. Yes. Yeah, dude. Right. That's that's what's great about having the internet is uh I I you know I've gotten by in my job I've learned like how to clone hard drives I've learned whole softwares I've learned so much stuff just like from looking at the internet it's crazy it's such um, a wealth of information and we usually don't have the time or like, the the capacity to sit down and really just go like oh let me let me figure out how this works. But now that we're like, we have this time on our hands, uh, you know, I, yeah. I've seen people go like into this, like, oh, well, you could spend a ton of time on Facebook or Instagram or you could or you could fucking learn something. <laughs> like, you, could, yep. you could really push yourself 
you could push yourself. I, my next new project I have coming up, and I'll I'll update you. I'm sure you guys are all mm. fucking chomping at the mm. bit to know. But I will. I'm gonna replace the garage door at my house. Ooh. So oh, the only <laughs> the only thing so, that's really scary about that is when I look at the size of the springs on it, I go, "Those could do some damage." Like they they look like they could fuck you up. So uh, I definitely am gonna be cautious with it. I'm gonna take my my time step by step, but. For sure. Wear the plastic goggles, dude. Wear the plastic goggles. I, I, dude, I got all kinds of safety equipment. Like, I, that's one of those things that uh, I did work for a little while through college. I was a welder, so I know how to I know how to weld basically, and I know how to fix things a little bit. But man, I I, I really am like excited. Like, all right, let's let's pick a new project and let's start figuring out what do we need. What, especially with like the fact like you really aren't supposed to be leaving. Um, it definitely yeah. has forced me like to be very measured about like when I went to go buy all this stuff for uh, the bench I was building, like I knew exactly what I, I had a list like, of, okay, I need this many two by fours. I need this many two by sixes. I need this length of treks. I need this length, you know, I need these style of uh, screws and I need them at this length. This is pr- approximately how many, like, so the planning process for me was like two hours of me sitting at the kitchen table with my daughters being like, okay, daddy wants it to look like this. Like, how do we shape this out? It was so great because like now I'm watching my daughters just do little stuff around the house and then literally say to each other, like, did you plan this? Or do you know what you should be doing next? <laughs> <That's> like, <awesome. laughs> it's it's like a life lesson that like, you know, I, I hate to say, it, but like if my kids were sitting in a kindergarten classroom in public school, like they're not going to learn shit like that. They may no, pick it up on, like, on chance, like, but like, to be able to sit around and explain to them exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, it, it's been, I, I, I found this time very, very, very useful and super, uh, it's just been a great bonding time. Like it's been really, really nice. I'm looking, I'm, I'm scared of quarantine ending quite frankly, because like then there, (laughs) then there's social obligations and dinners and, and just a lot of, a lot of, Pre- social pressure so i yeah. I'm, I'm i'm kind of enjoying all of that being taken off the table and just being like you know i'm i'm, I'm hanging with my girlfriend i'm i'm hanging with the cats i'm doing this thing uh so it's you know that's that's good that's all good stuff yeah it's definitely it i think uh it it has kind of exposed a good chunk of like people to be like okay so this is what i need to be doing or this is what i should be doing or this is what i could have been doing uh mm-hmm. with your life and it's very like i've had a couple times where i've seen people's facebook or instagram posts and be like kind of just slowly shaking my head like what are you doing with your time <laughs> <laughs> like i almost want to read there's a couple people that i've actually have like reached out to and been like you okay like is everything all right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys gonna get into bread making at all you gonna make some bread uh, uh no no yeah no, just just makes bread it's it's pretty it's really good oh nice that's yeah. good. I've I've been um taking apart uh like engines and like oh, motorcycles. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes. and it was all just like, well, I have this busted up moped. I wonder if I can make it work. <laughs> all <laughs> right, cool. Hey, yeah. Then the guy down the street was like, "You want this one?" Yep. <laughs> I had I have a friend of mine. Down. I have a friend of mine that uh actually did something really similar, and but he did this like years ago. Uh, he bought a house up in uh like Northern Bucks County, Quakertown area. And yeah. it was it was on like 
I think he has like 15 acres or something like that, but he has this gigantic three car garage um, behind his house. That's like almost a quarter mile behind it. And I think it was a neighbor or somebody that was close by said, Hey, uh, you know, you have all that property, but you have no way to get around it. You know, you should really look into getting a quad. And he was like, Oh yeah, I guess the guy was like, you know, I got one of them old, uh, it's called a mule. And he's like, what the fuck is that? It was one of these things that used to drop out of a plane um in vietnam (laughs) bro so he fucking literally he went this he went to this guy's house the guy had it he goes it doesn't run at all here's most of the pieces that you need uh but my friend has been slowly assembling it and putting it back together and it runs now and i was like how did you get any of this stuff he's like dude there's a whole online organization of people that just are dedicated to rebuilding this military technology and he's like uh, the thing was, is that they're so easy to work on because they were literally meant to be dropped from planes and be damaged. Um, right. And people were be so supposed to be able to use locally found things to be able to fucking fix them and kind of rig them up to work. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I was like, this is the best thing. But we literally awesome. spent, we spent like an afternoon like watching stuff being like, okay, so that's how a carburetor works. All right, so we got to mm-hmm. go get that float back and we got to go. Like, <laughs> it was fucking wild, mm-hmm. man. Same. So I was just like, "What's a carburetor?" Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. All right. I don't. I don't even know what it is now. Yeah, yeah, but don't. But don't yeah, tell me. Don't, no, 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 no. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't care. I don't care. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get Tommy going again. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> here's the thing. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. I did this. I, I I made this. Uh, I made this this a uh, little EP. Uh, on a on planes last year, um, traveling so much, I took uh, my iPad and it has GarageBand on it, mm-hmm. and I made a synth EP, kind of like my like love letter to Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails. Really? And, uh, where yeah. where can we hear that? I'd be interested in hearing. Um, that. It's it's on Bandcamp. Uh, it's the the project is called F for Fake, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's. I like it. it it's a. Uh, it's definitely like a little. It's a, it's a, it's a love letter. It's a little passion project. But I don't know that I would ever really do anything else with it. But um, yeah. I, I like the novel idea of it that I made the whole thing on planes, like thirty thousand feet in the air. Like that is like, look at look at this. It, wrote That's it. That's awesome. Sang it. Yeah. See how much this man produces. He's <laughs> sitting on planes and like conceiving other EPs. I love that. Jesus, I'm usually asleep on the fucking things. I did oh. something similar. I made a music video for a song from my EP. All right, I'll plug myself. Folks, yeah, do it. Tour- basement Year. The song is Tourists of the Moment. Uh, it's on our YouTube channel. And I, I did the same thing. Like I was flying back and forth to California, Northern California, Southern California, up and down. And I just took a bunch of footage and made a music video for the song. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's that was a fun project. All right, so we're going to check out F for fake. That's what mm-hmm. it was called. Okay. Yep. We're going to check out Backwoods Payback. We can find all of their material on Spotify. And yep. my, f- my favorite song has always been Day to Day yeah. from Use Magic yeah. to Kill Death. That yeah, is just man. that is just like a wonderful stew of riffs. I love <laughs> I love Thank that you. song. That's a good that that's is, the best song. That is Jess's favorite song as well. That yeah. is. <laughs> If, if if that if if we are playing a show, that song is going to get played. 
Oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's good. Don't don't remove it from the set list. Never. <laughs> and we're going to check out uh, the Michael Rudolph Cummings solo works. Are those now, is, is that, is any of that on Spotify or where yeah, can you find yep. it? No, it's all on Spotify. It's all on okay, Spotify good. and iTunes or Apple Music and everything. Pretty okay. much every everything I, I, I made a conscious effort uh, about five years ago to be like, if I did something, um, I have to, you know, I have to accept the world that we live in and just make it available. And I want, I would rather people hear it than not hear it. So exactly. if there's a platform, I want it to be on the platform. You know, that's, that's good. You got the crash of 64 EP up on, up on there. I too, did. Right? Yeah. 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 I figured that was you. So yes, folks check out the all time classic four song crash of 64 self-titled EP. It can be found reading ghost notes, correct? That's, oh yeah see i didn't yeah. even remember that it had a yeah. name it's been so long yeah. <laughs> so that's a good one we've got uh mrc and the souvenirs we've got the mrc solo works we've got all else failed all, all else, else failed. failed i mean come on that that body of work is unparalleled it is it, and there, there's there's more to come so that is awesome that's yeah. good news that's so we we've got new material coming eventually is that is that the uh, yeah. exclusive you're giving us i think i think that, that that i i will i will go ahead and say it without them knowing that i'm saying it but yes <laughs> there, there is there is more to come oh that's awesome news that's awesome news well mike we want to thank you so much for being on the show dude i want to thank you for having me i i, I wasn't sure why anybody would want to talk to me but uh it was it was it was really fun and 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 i i, I meant what i said man i really enjoy i really enjoy what you guys are doing it, it's got a really good vibe and a really good feel and even when i don't know who it is that that you're interviewing or that you're talking and they're not interviews even when i if, even when i don't know the person that you're talking with mm-hmm. i come away from it feeling good because it was it was a really well done, thoughtful conversation, and I, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. Keep it up. Thanks, man. That that yeah, means a lot. And that's you, what someone told me. He's like, don't call them interviews. They're you know yeah. they're, more, they're not really interviews. It's just and that's what I want this to be. I want it to be a comforting, fun hangout thing because I do a lot of travel and I like podcasts where it's like. It's like a rotating group of characters, and it's like having friends with you on the road. Totally. Like, totally. Yeah, and that's, that's what I that's perceive what I for love this. About it. I, I, I listen to it, and I feel like I get to eavesdrop on a really cool conversation. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on. This was awesome, yeah. and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, Michael, it was really nice talking to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. All right. And folks... As a reminder, and I I have to remind you, I'm sorry, I'm contractually obligated to do so, but subscribe to us on your uh, podcast medium of choice. Uh, Give us ratings, give us feedback, give us likes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The N.E. Scene. We've got content almost daily on both. Uh, Write to us at northeastscene at gmail.com. We want your show videos. We want your ticket stubs. We want your flyers. We want your stories. Get in touch with us. Be a part of this thing. Come with us on the journey and give us show feedback too. Thank you for your contributions to this thing as well. And until next time. (laughs) 